Hello, everyone, and welcome to the April 25th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Let's get started with our litigation report. The WCAB en banc decision in Elaine Valdez versus Warehouse Demo Services resolves the longstanding uncertainty about the admissibility of the reports of non-MPN physicians. After Elaine Valdez filed a claim for industrial injury, the employer admitted injury to most of the alleged body parts. And she was sent for medical treatment to the employer's MPN, where she was seen by Dr. Nakamoto, who treated her for approximately three weeks. Valdez then began treating with Dr. Nario, a non-MPN physician, upon referral from her attorney. The case proceeded to trial this July, and the employer raised the issue of MPN and self-procured medical treatment, which the judge deferred as not relating to temporary disability. Applicant testified that her attorney sent her to Dr. Nario because the treatment provided by Dr. Nagamoto was not helping her. However, she never spoke to the claims examiner or otherwise notified defendant about this complaint. The judge relied on the non-NPN reports of Dr. Nario for the finding and award of more benefits. The trial judge rejected defendant's argument that reports of non-NPN doctors are inadmissible. The WCAB, in a split en banc decision, reversed the trial judge and ruled that non-MPN physician reports are not admissible when the employer has properly complied with MPN regulations. Here, for unknown reasons, the applicant almost immediately chose to go outside the MPN and seek treatment in violation of the MPN statutes and procedures. Where an applicant has left a validly established and properly noticed MPN and impermissibly sought treatment outside the MPN, the non-MPN physician cannot be the primary treating physician. The MPN treater remains the PTP. Labor Code Section 4061.5 and Rule 9785D says that the PTP shall render opinions on all medical issues necessary to determine the employee's eligibility for compensation. The applicant in this case could not select a new PTP outside the MPN. She should have either changed treating physicians within the MPN and or sought the opinion of a second or third MPN physician. The non-MPN physician is not authorized to be a PTP and accordingly is not authorized to report or render an opinion on medical issues necessary to determine the employee's eligibility for compensation. Accordingly, the non-MPN reports are not admissible and there is no reason to find a defendant liable for the costs of such reports. A federal court rejected an employer's claim of exclusive jurisdiction over insurance policy issues in a case pending before the WCAB. Here's what happened in the published opinion of United States Fidelity and Guarantee Company versus Lee Investments. A maintenance worker was helping to assemble a five-story water slide at the island, a California water park, when a metal bar fell from a forklift and struck her head, causing serious injuries. The employer had purchased a workers' compensation policy from United States Fidelity and Guarantee Company contingent on the employer's representations that island employees would not be performing construction operations. 
USF&G claimed that the employer had not told the whole truth and had wrongfully induced it to provide coverage. The employee filed a claim and USF&G began paying benefits pursuant to the policy. The insurer then filed a lawsuit in federal court against the employer seeking to rescind the policy because of the employer's alleged misrepresentations. The employee initially filed but later abandoned a request that the WCAB arbitrate the claims asserted by the insurer in the federal action. Thus, a hearing never occurred before the WCAB on the coverage issue. Back in federal court, the employer moved to dismiss the USF&G suit, claiming that the WCAB had exclusive jurisdiction of the policy issue. The federal district court denied the dismissal motion and the federal case went to trial. A jury found that the employer had made an intentional misrepresentation of material fact and concealed material facts during the policy application process. Based on that determination, the jury found that the insurer was entitled to rescind the policy and to recover restitution of payments. More than a year after the federal jury entered verdicts, the employer again requested that the WCAB arbitrate the insurer's claims. The federal court issued a restraining order against any arbitration at the WCAB. The employer then appealed to the Federal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. The employer contends on appeal that the federal district court lacked subject matter jurisdiction over the insurer's claims. The Federal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals disagreed in the published opinion of United States Fidelity and Guarantee Company versus Lee Investments. The insurer is a corporation duly organized and existing under the laws of the state of Maryland with its principal place of business located in that state. The employer is a business entity organized and existing under the laws of the state of California with its principal place of business located in Fresno. Because the amount in controversy exceeded $75,000, the district court had subject matter diversity jurisdiction over the action. The federal court distinguished the case from federal law which provides that a civil action in any state court arising under the workman's compensation laws of such state may not be removed to any district court of the United States. Here, the federal action did not involve an adjudication of the employee's workers' compensation benefits. It addressed whether the employer's insurance policy had been wrongfully obtained through misrepresentation. Thus, this action did not arise under California's workers' compensation laws. Furthermore, the insurer did not remove a civil action from state court. It filed an original claim in federal court. And now our fraud report. Posh Bagel was founded in 1992 by Jeffrey Ottaveggio and established as a wholesale bakery in Santa Clara. Ottaveggio's wife, Cheryl Lee, was the CEO and Bruce Campbell was their account manager. In 2006, an internal spreadsheet was discovered by their workers' compensation carrier, Applied Underwriters, which indicated Posh Bagel was only reporting a small percentage of their payroll to their carrier and overtime was reported under a different company name. 
A California Department of Insurance audit then showed that Posh Bagel owed over $295,000 in additional premium as well as additional money to the EDD. Investigators also discovered that payroll was being reported under businesses which were incorporated in Nevada under the names of delivery truck drivers. Total premium owed for all time periods was over $400,000, with the total restitution including the EDD nearly $700,000. Shirley pled guilty to one misdemeanor count of unemployment insurance tax fraud and received a sentence of 100 hours of community service. Jeffrey Otto Veggio and Bruce Campbell both pled to one felony count of workers' compensation fraud and one felony count of unemployment insurance tax fraud and were sentenced to six months in county jail and probation. Restitution was paid at the time of sentencing. Applied underwriters received nearly $250,000 and endurance insurance company received over $110,000. Teresa Reif, the owner and president of a janitorial and pest control company, was arrested on multiple counts of suspected workers' compensation insurance premium fraud. Her company, Genesis Building Services, operates a janitorial and pest control company in the Bay Area. Genesis purchased workers' compensation insurance through Redwood Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and the State Compensation Insurance Fund. In 2008, Redwood suspected Genesis of underreporting its payroll when it received conflicting statements from Genesis regarding the number of employees working for the company. Redwood referred the suspected fraudulent activity to the California Department of Insurance. The CDI Fraud Division conducted an investigation and determined that Genesis had misrepresented both the number of employees and its payroll. Genesis allegedly employed in excess of 140 employees, yet reported less than half of the payroll to its insurance carriers. Teresa Reif allegedly provided auditors with fraudulent paperwork in order to support the monthly audits. Genesis allegedly underreported over $10,500,000 in payroll. Reef was booked into the San Mateo County Jail and was subsequently released during arraignment on supervised own recognizance. If convicted, she could face up to five years in prison and or $50,000 fine. The case is being prosecuted by the San Mateo County District Attorney's Office. And in regulatory news, the Division of Workers' Compensation has adopted new regulations for standardized paper billing forms and electronic billing standards. The final regulations were approved by the Office of Administrative Law and filed with the Secretary of State on April 18th. Approval of this rulemaking marks the completion of another part of the DWC's 12-point plan to control medical costs in California. DWC Chief Counsel Desti Overpeck said that California will now be one of the first states in the country to provide for e-billing in workers' compensation. These regulations encourage both workers' comp insurers and medical providers to transition to e-billing. The new regulations will streamline paper billing by standardizing billing forms and making it easier to communicate through the use of standardized bill review messages. Implementation of the electronic billing rules will improve efficiency of the billing and remittance process and produce quicker bill payment. 
Paper billing provisions become effective on October 15, 2011, and provisions relating to electronic billing become effective October 18, 2012, in order to allow time for implementation. Claims administrators are required to accept electronic bills and may develop their own capacity to accept electronic bills or may contract with a vendor to perform this function. Participation in electronic billing is for, optional for medical providers. The approved regulations, including the Medical Billing and Payment Guide 2011 and the Electronic Medical Billing and Payment Companion Guide 2012, are now available on the DWC website. A new city audit slams San Jose's Disability Retirement Program for police and firefighters, saying it's too easy for retirees to claim a disability. The high number of public safety employees who retire with the benefit greatly exceeds those of other major California cities. The findings validate many of the conclusions reached in 2006 by a Mercury News investigation that uncovered multiple system abuses. That report showed that most police officers and firefighters were retiring on disability and that most of those retirees had already worked full careers and seemingly were suffering from nothing more than old age. Some employees who were granted disability retirements were working full-time right up to when they left the city, while others were working full-time in positions in which their duties had been modified. Two out of three San Jose firefighters and more than one out of three cops are retiring on a service-related disability compared with one out of 16 city workers. Police and firefighters are eligible for minimum disability retirement benefits of 50% of their compensation. The audit shows that disability rates of both police and fire personnel are substantially higher than in other jurisdictions including Fresno, Los Angeles, Oakland, and San Francisco, despite the fact that San Jose has a well-established safety program. San Jose's disability retirement payments for public safety officers as a percentage of total retirement payments was more than twice that of Los Angeles. The 34-page city audit says the system is in dire need of reform. Majestic Insurance Company has been placed into conservation by order of the San Francisco Superior Court. The California Department of Insurance has simultaneously filed a motion seeking approval for a rehabilitation plan designed to protect Majestic's policyholders and claimants from loss. Under the rehabilitation plan, Majestic's insurance liabilities and certain assets will be transferred to Amtrust North America, which will assume responsibility for the administration and payment of all claims. The conservation will not cause any disruption or delay in the delivery of workers' compensation benefits to injured workers. Majestic is licensed to write property and casualty insurance in 17 states, but is domiciled in California and subject to oversight, regulation, and conservation by the California Department of Insurance. The company is a specialty provider of workers' compensation insurance products. The company's workers' compensation insurance coverage is offered to employers in California, New York, New Jersey, Arizona, Nevada, and other states. Majestic's management did not oppose the conservation and is cooperating with the commissioner's staff. The Superior Court has set a hearing date of June 2, 2011 on the Commissioner's motion to approve the rehabilitation plan. 
Any party wishing to formally support, comment on, or object to the motion may file papers with the court by May 16, 2011. And in financial news, a recent National Association of Insurance Commissioners study says that California workers' compensation insurer returns continue to dwindle. Their return on net worth fell from 7% in 2008 to 4.6% in 2009. Those figures moved the Golden State from the 12th to the 25th state out of 46 states that operate without monopolistic state funds. Each year, the NAIC publishes a report on profitability by line by state. The report breaks down all elements of underwriting results and shows investment income, pre-tax gains or losses, federal income taxes, after-tax gains or losses, surplus and after-tax returns on surplus. As an industry, California workers' compensation insurers showed four straight years of losses from 1999 to 2003. And since peaking in 2006, the returns have been in a steady downtrend, falling to a six-year low in 2009. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And please remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. And please stop by again next week for some more news.